Dylan. Hey Shelly, good this to see you again. Good to see you too. Um, this is with Bowl and Spoon. I'm here with Dylan Liu. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi everyone listening in. My name's Dylan and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ecotone Renewables. And Ecotone Renewables, this is amazing. That's how we met. Well, where, where our two worlds kind of collided. You want to talk about that? The digester. Yeah, definitely. Which is, so. you don't have to get too much into that because I know there's there's a lot of information <laughs> out there about digesters. Digestion is part of the process of eating, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we turn, uh, I think at a very high level, we turn food waste into liquid fertilizer and renewable energy right here in Pittsburgh. Um, so started the company back in 2017. And we really just spent the first three years in like deep R&D. I think that's around the time that we were first introduced to each other as well. Did you ever come to 200 Ross Street? I don't think so. Did you ever meet so. with me there? I don't think so, no. Because your, your shipping container and whoever is attached to your shipping container had, had met with me on several occasions. That shipping yeah. container has a really deep history in this it city does. already. Yeah. So I think that was Pittsburgh's first portable farm that you helped get it in downtown yep. Pittsburgh. So that was with our original CEO, Vin. Vin, um, so yeah. Exactly. I forgot so his name. It yeah. was maybe Vin and Sasha that you were speaking with? Yep. Um, so they helped really build Pittsburgh's first portable farm. It was an aquaponic system. So it was fish on the bottom floor of our shipping container and a greenhouse on top. And it and was housed at Gateway, like down in the Gateway Center behind the Gateway Tea Station for exactly, yeah, four or five months. Exactly. And right around the time that I joined the team was actually when we were pivoting towards building and designing our first digester. So I think one of the first activities I did when I joined the Ecotone team is actually like emptying that fish tank um, <laughs> because we really realized like, Aquaponics is really difficult to do on a small scale and hyper locally. Mm. And what we did see, and I think like we all kind of see it to some extent, is like food waste is everywhere. It's all around us. And like right now, like right here in the building we're at, um, it's all these like black plastic lined garbage cans that's just going right to a landfill. And so, have you not talked to these guys here? At um, we've tried speaking with them a little bit, like pretty slow response so far. We're gonna call them out right yeah. now. <laughs> But I think this For is both also listeners we're calling out that it's escape. <laughs> but it's also like statewide. So like here in Pittsburgh, it is one of the cheapest cities to landfill anything. Yeah. I think for reference. They call it's like, them tipping fees. And exactly. the tipping fees are the lowest, some of the lowest in the yeah, country. Yeah, it's like forty or fifty dollars a ton to put whatever you want in a landfill here. And for context, like in New York and California, that's upwards of like two to three hundred dollars per ton. Oh, wow. And we don't have any legislation that's keeping food waste out of landfill here in the state of Pennsylvania. And that's something we actually just a few weeks ago, the state of New Hampshire became the 11th state here in the U.S. to pass food waste bans to landfill. So like this is out there. Legislators are making this happen, but we don't have any of those government incentives here in Pennsylvania. 
But what's been interesting is like we still see like a ton of traction. Like we have a partnership with the city of Pittsburgh, with the Pittsburgh airport, the meta that's, office that's here as well. One, yeah. And a lot of it's coming from Oh, public. you're allowed to say that now? We are, yeah. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> it is that, coming from... That was the last from... time I saw you. You're like, I can't really say the name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think a lot of this is coming from public waste reduction goals. So there are a lot of business owners that like want to see a reduction in food waste, but like once a company makes a public commitment of like, we're going to be zero waste by 2030 or 2050, mm. they then need to start tracking and making progress towards that goal. And I think that's where we've Ideally. been able to see exactly a lot of traction here in Pittsburgh and in Pennsylvania, really working with partners that have these public goals that want to make traction and effort towards that. So that's kind of like some of the problems of food waste. Obviously food waste is a huge global problem, not just here in Pittsburgh. It's double what the aviation industry emits every year in CO2 emissions. Wow. It's just rotting food waste in the landfill. So when we all like complain about like all of these celebrities and their private jet causing global warming, food waste rotting in a landfill is mm. double the impact of that. This whole like solutions to combating climate change is so slow motion. Exactly. It's so slow motion. Yeah. And we don't have time for that. Like we don't have 50 years to like slowly implement these long-term solutions and so I think that's kind of where like some of my impatience comes from is like I've seen how slowly governments and businesses are really solving the climate crisis that we're in mm -hmm. and I'm like I'm just gonna take matters into my own hand and like build solutions every single day that like we can track and see how much CO2 that we're diverting so I think to date we've already diverted over a million pounds of CO2 emissions. That's great. Wow. Which is wild. That is. So you track four companies and then they use that in their reports, I'm sure, because that's exactly. towards their goals. So we do keep an eye out for like any public commitments for waste reduction. Yeah. Um, I think most big institutions have made it to this point, though, um, which is really exciting to see, I think, across the board is mm -hmm. like governments, institutions, businesses are kind of making these goals and commitments voluntarily, but there's also a lot of pressure from their customers to like be more sustainable. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we've realized is sustainability is amazing, but you have to make it profitable for governments and businesses, otherwise they're not gonna do it. That's how you get people to do it quickly. So there's money associated with the feel good. Exactly. And how do you do that? How we do that is like, it's upcycling materials, I think at its lowest form is we're taking what otherwise would be a wasted material and we put it back into the food system. So where we have 30, 40% of all food going to landfill, mm -hmm. that is lost nutrients, that's lost carbon that should be in the soil. And instead of letting it sit in a landfill, contributing to global warming, we're actually capturing those materials and turning it into like great nutrients in the form of our soil sauce that farmers, gardeners, houseplant owners can use. And so we have two real product lines right now is our Zeus digester. That's what does all the conversion of the food waste into the fertilizer. And then the soil sauce is our second product line. So that's something we sell in like huge, like thousand gallon orders to local farmers in the area, as well as very small eight and 16 ounce bottles to people with a few house plants and backyard gardens. What is the pitch to companies? So it's typically about like 10 to 30% waste hauling cost reduction. So okay. we can actually reduce the frequency of so pickups. Cheap. Exactly. Okay. So we actually That's reduce cool. cost of their landfilling bill 
And then at the same time, most of our locations either use or resell some of the soil sauce that's produced on site. Oh, so then they can sell it. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. And so I think what's important, like when we talk about food systems, like these are, a lot of them are like farmers and they are working with really small margins. It's single digit margin across the food production and the food service industry. And so what we're able to offer and incentivize them with is a really high margin product that they can sell. So let's say it's a Biddle's Escape, let's say it's a Whole Foods, a Giant Eagle. They can not only reduce their costs on waste hauling, but they can now sell a product in their store that has 30 to 80% profit margins. And that product is hot right now. That type of product is exactly. really hot right now. So I'm gonna ask a question now, and maybe this is just obvious and that will sort of like just end this conversation but um why food waste is this something that is a passion the eco stuff i know you're a product designer you worked for nasa you got a lot of rich history there is there something else besides just the market opportunity that brought you to this product yeah definitely i think in the food space (laughs) (laughs) i think in the food space i've at one point like instead of getting into engineering like i seriously considered becoming a chef and like going to culinary school oh wow and i've always like loved cooking loved eating food and i think that's what i realized is like i much prefer the eating part I still love cooking, but like the eating is more preferable. But I think it's kind of a combination of my own impatience and like wanting to make real positive impact in the world and just like an intrinsic love for food. And I've kind of seen this opportunity that no one has like really effectively solved food waste yet. Is like there are a ton of solutions out there that work well for very specific customers so like composting is definitely a solution like compost pickups for like really condensed downtown areas where like they don't have any space to do anything and you then haul it out to a local farm like an hour or two away but there's a lot of places like right where we're at right now that they have the space to have an on-site solution it's going to be more affordable and effective for them and again it's like that revenue incentive can like really get them excited about it And so that's kind of where I've seen a real gap is like small and medium sized businesses don't really have any affordable and sustainable options on the market. And that's kind of where we've been able to refine our services and our products over the past few years to really fit that market opportunity. Because you've kind of seen it on like the home size, there's like the Lomi, the Mill, the home biogas. So many. And with our the pilot that Afton is doing, there are so many, there are like eight different exactly. options of yeah of, uh, and they're great food waste. like i have a little compost tumbler at home too but like you have to know how to work them especially if you're like doing this in your own house and it takes time and effort and then on the business side like a business is not going to have time to turn their compost tumbler pile or like operate one of these systems themselves and so that's kind of where all like the classic like cmu robotics and engineering comes in is we've completely automated and made this process self-contained so that staff or a restaurant owner just throws their food waste in a trash chute they walk away and never think about it and that's kind of that user experience that we've focused on simulating how's the pilot over in homewood going very well yeah so we've made that i know they were complaining about raccoons and smells and that was even before the pilot began (laughs) so i was a little worried about that yeah so that's really what we've been focused on right now is to almost make these systems into like a nice odor rather than even just making it no odor (laughs) 
So I'm right now I that? have my operations team is like they're using a mixture of essential oils and oh my God. they check in on the systems and right now they're like manually spraying the essential oils around like once a week or so. We're actually building that into our ventilation system. So our digesters are now going to be like emitting like some lemongrass, some lavender, Whoa. tea tree, eucalyptus. Oh, that is So really turn it into like an attraction for the community and like local artwork, exhibiting that, as well as making the area like smell and look nice and really trying to remove those pests and odor issues. Yeah. Because like food waste is gross. Like it's slimy, <laughs> it's rotting. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to deal with it. So that's kind of why we've like containerized and automated it. Yeah. And there's, there's a little opening. You put the waste in there and they close the door real quick. Exactly. And it even yeah. has like a flap, right? That closes back on it. Exactly. But where'd you grow up? So I was actually born in Jerusalem and grew up in Newtown, Connecticut, and then moved to Pittsburgh for a school to go to Carnegie Mellon. Okay. Yeah. And have been here now for the past six, seven years at this point. I went to South Carolina for a year to work for GE Renewables, which was a great experience. Got some kind of like corporate engineering experience, which was really helpful. And I've just yeah, kind of fallen worlds. in love with Pittsburgh. Don't think I'm going anytime soon. That's great. I mean, Pittsburgh is a really great place. Yeah. And it I is. think the food scene here is like something a lot of people outside the region don't know is incredible. Yeah, I agree. What's your favorite restaurant? Uh, Thai Cottage. Don't even need to think about it. Is that near here? <laughs> right down the road on I've Braddock. I've heard of yeah. it, but I've never been there. Really yeah. good food, yeah. What number? Is it one to five? For the spice, spice scale, level, yeah. one to ten. Usually go for like a seven. They go to ten. Yeah. Most Thai places go one to five, and I'm like, I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Too few numbers. I yeah. can't. Um, but Thai food is really, really spicy. When were you talking about thinking about becoming a chef? Uh, that was like right before, and probably like during the college application process. So starting to approach like a decade ago, which is wild <laughs> to think about. Yeah. So yeah, I considered it, and. I kind of knew that I wanted to build things. And I think that I kind of figured out that like engineering kind of built in that flexibility for me that I could kind of do whatever I wanted with it. And materials engineering is also general enough that, well, here in Pittsburgh, it's super specific. It's all about steel, but oh, everything's a material. So that's kind of the way that I've approached it is like really trying to understand like what things are made of, the materials, the life cycle of it. And again, like as we try really creating these hyper local economies figuring ways to recycle and upcycle those materials and that's really interesting because you're doing that with food like as if you would have gone to the chef i mean you still could yeah and it's on the table yeah. one day <laughs> so we we're talking about reusing materials and how you reuse food materials which was almost your career yeah Exactly. Have you thought about that before in that sort of parallel with the materials? I have, yeah. And I think that's kind of like a little bit what drives like my focus and passion every day is like the love for like the food service industry, food on its own, and like that desire to really want to like reuse and upcycle materials as much as possible. So this has kind of been like the most effective way I've been able to do that so far is with our digesters. We've since brought on much more talented engineers that have since pretty much redesigned everything in a much better way. But it's been really exciting to kind of get more into the business side as well, because I think that's what I've realized is like I also worked in some research labs 
and really enjoyed that. I was working on some fuel cells, but I realized a lot of that work just kind of stays in the lab. It doesn't really end mm. up seeing the light of day. And I realized like that commercialization phase is really what I wanted to spend like time and effort on. And that's what we've been doing the past year or two. And that's been exciting to see because that's really the way of getting things to happen. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. the the brunt of it, yeah. So when did you work for NASA? So it was actually during the pandemic. So was working for them remotely. It was very separate of food, but it was all yeah. around uh, protective materials for lunar landers. So I was helping mm -hmm. them develop and test some ceramic coatings because when you, not something we need to think about here on this planet, but when you land a spaceship on the moon, it sends these tiny little shards of what they call regolith around flying and hitting everything possible. Mm. So you want to make things like really robust um, so they can handle that. And NASA, they don't think about food. I've actually- They are a little bit though. They're like trying to figure out how to grow food on spaceships and in the, on the moon <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Because um, it's really challenging, but if they're able to, it basically reduces a lot of like the supplies and materials they need to bring, which is helpful. It's really interesting. Yeah, so yeah, you're exactly right though. <laughs> I think that's kind of what I realized there too, is like really interesting work that they're doing. But I've kind of seen this and you've probably noticed it in some of the news articles, is like we invest as a community here in Pittsburgh, as a state, as a country, as a world, so much money into like space exploration, in autonomous vehicles. It's like hundreds of billions of dollars. And yet we still have people that are our neighbors that can't feed themselves. The zoning and all that is just so off in Manchester where you got the moonshot. Yeah. They want to expand. That's like, cool, that's great. Let's put in money to that. It's gonna help Manchester, no, not really. And then Lisa Freeman doing Freeman Family Farms who wanted to open that grocery store. How long did it take her and how much, you know, the struggle that she's put up with just to get started on the construction yeah. and now she's building this and it's just been so crazy that the basic thing didn't get support. Yeah. And I think that's... Love Moonshot, by the way. Not any exactly, criticism to yeah. them, but that's There's pretty cool. There's a very pressing issue we have of food security. And I think that's like what we're both here to solve and like trying to work towards. And I think a lot of it also comes down to like soil health is I don't think a lot of us realize like if you take a head of lettuce nowadays, it's lost like 98% of the nutrient values that it used to have 50 yep. or 60 years ago. Because it can travel. Exactly. So even if we're eating enough calories, we might not be getting enough like micronutrients, macronutrients. So that's kind of what we've been focused a lot with, like the soil sauce application, whether we're like working with local farmers or gardeners is like testing and improving long term soil health. Because again, like it's all about like those nutrients in the soil and getting those into our body and making sure we have enough. It's stuff that we just don't even understand. It's it's healing and blows my mind that hospitals don't have better food. Yeah, we are actually working with one of the hospitals here in Pittsburgh, the Allegheny General, and they've been oh, cool. great to work with because they've also now like not only realized, but they're taking action on like the impact that like food and nutrition has in your overall health. Oh, wow. Um, but they've been great. They're about to launch like a 1500 square foot greenhouse. They're going to be like bringing patients in to actually like grow some food crop. What sort of things do you like to do in the kitchen? Yeah, just made some rigatoni with vodka sauce last night, which was really good. 
like some ramen, some red curries, like a little bit of Do you make your own mix. bone broth? No. Okay. Yeah, I cook mostly vegetarian food. I don't really cook with meat or fish, so I don't really have any bones oh, okay. to make the broth with, but I know it's super nutritious, so I just picked some up. So like how intricate do you get with your Not very intricate. Food I, prep. Limited time of day, so I'm usually cooking meals in like 20 to 40 minutes. Gotcha. So yeah. do you do any like preservation or anything? Um, a little bit, yeah. So like some pickling, that, that's like the eggs sometimes like marinating yeah. those for a few days. Not yet, that's something I've been wanting to get into is like more longer term storage. I just met these really great, this great couple, I think it's like Sylvan and Jordan, who do a lot of, like they're trying to live off their land as much as possible, mm. like working in community gardens. Here so like eventually right? once I get with some more free time, which right now is a bit non-existent, uh, yeah. definitely want to start spending some more time on that. But yeah, here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I always forget about that whole time thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you gotten into any brewing or that seems Not to be yet. I do? did actually brew some beers as a kid growing up with my dad and my brother. Which oh, really? Was fun. Cool. So made some fun flavors. I think once we did like a blueberry honey beer, which was yummy. Ooh. Um, but haven't done that in also like a very long time. So I think once I start like building in some more free time in my schedule, definitely will want to try setting aside some more time to like explore and have fun and be creative with like the cooking and fermentation and pickling, which is always good. That's fun. And it's relatively low risk when you stick with vegetables. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Something I've been wanting to try is making some mead with like some local honey. Yeah. So that's on the to-do list. Growing up in Connecticut, what do you think influenced you to maybe think about being a chef? I think my family is full of people that love to cook. Okay. And I think what kind of made me end up choosing not to become a chef is realizing that like making that my career might actually make me lose some of that love and oh. passion for it. Yeah. And kind of making it a job instead of something that is like relaxing and that I enjoy to do. So that was kind of ultimately what like helped me make that decision but yeah my mom's an incredible chef um her, she was taught by her great aunt who is also a great chef um so something i've just kind of just like picked up on growing up as a kid and just have really enjoyed along the way yeah so a lot of like my dad and mom met in israel and they lived there for like 15 years so uh, a lot of like mediterranean food that we cook um are they both from the states no my oh, okay. mom's from new york and my dad's actually from australia oh wow he's the one that makes questionable meals that <laughs> we're not fully on board for it's like the vegemite on toast not fully convinced on that one yeah. yet really yeah all right have you ever tried vegemite well <laughs> i get the english version marmite yeah so yes i have tried it it's yeast you know, it it's is, yeast yeah. extract. Vegemite's got the little extra funk for you. Yeah, but yeah, he just <laughs> makes like strange combinations. He did tuna fish with like pasta one time with like a red sauce. Not a good combo. Like Gonna red warn you sauce. now. Interesting. Just overall some questionable <laughs> <laughs> decisions. Butter? I don't know. Yeah, started cooking like quite early, was a, like a little sh sous chef in the kitchen. And now mostly just kind of do it to like de-stress after a long day, like make myself some good food. I just want to eat good food after a long day. Exactly, is... yeah. That's the, the difficult part is balancing like, I'll usually cook like a big batch of food, like twice a week or so. And then I'll just kind of eat a lot of leftovers. Yeah. 
people who don't eat leftovers kind of make me crazy. <laughs> but also, like, isn't takeout essentially leftovers? I mean, you're not oh. reheating it necessarily, but maybe. Like, if you don't go home right away and you get the food and you have to put it in the microwave, that's leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I'm making <laughs> this true. big argument to people who don't eat leftovers. It's really, that just blows my mind that you'd spend yeah. money on food and then not finish it all. So your mom was from New York, mm -hmm. like upstate or city? Uh, New Rochelle. How did that influence her cooking? I'm not sure, What but sort of stuff does she make? A little bit of everything. Yeah, I think like some classic like American food, some really good Jewish food. Her matzo ball soup is incredible. And then like some Mediterranean food too, which is always fun. But like, I think a little bit of some like French style cooking from my great aunt who like helped like teach her a lot as well. So I think that some, sometimes gets sprinkled French? in. French? No, she was also American. Oh. Um, but just like really wonderful chef and human. Was she maybe inspired by Julia Childs who was- I think around that French same time that frame. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you mentioned that you really like Thai food. Is, obsessed, yeah. Obsessed? Yeah. Oh, it's to an obsession point. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Okay, talk about that. How'd that um, happen? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like very much my comfort food. Um, like a good like pad CU, a good curry. Um, like tum ka soup is like a really beautiful like coconut broth mm -hmm. soup that I, I really like. But for some reason, it's just kind of like the comfort food. After like a tough day or something, if I get some Thai food, like all of the problems are solved. It's got that spice that gives you, does that give you endorphins? Is that what that is? I'm convinced, it, it, it gives you happy feelings. Yeah. It's really good. Um, and the umami, which is always yeah. nice. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I, I get that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to mention talk about you have any new things happening on the horizon yeah we've got some more digesters coming online next month which Ooh, is exciting, exciting. Yeah. so launching three more zeus digesters will be up to eight total now which is really exciting to see that so another one for the city of pittsburgh another one for the pittsburgh airport and then one more out in clinton pennsylvania like a little bit further than the airport yeah excited for those um, we're starting to see soil sauce in a lot more retail locations, which is exciting too. And also working with some farmers to do like some really large scale field trials to get a lot oh, more wow. data. That's cool. So I think that's kind of like the two things that are and will continue to be our focus is reducing food waste, finding more partners that want to work with us on that front. And then on soil health, like really trying to get like as much information on our soil to figure out like how we can improve it, amend it, to help the local incredible farmers that we have. Because yeah, here in Pittsburgh, we have like really high lead pollution in the soil, some really low pH, so acidic soil as well. And like these problems aren't just gonna go away. Like we need to actively be like solving yeah. for them. You can't just ignore it. <laughs> so if, if anyone listening wants to work with us on like soil health improvement, on reducing food waste, always happy to connect and talk with them. Is there anything else that you need? Pittsburgh is a very small town. Yes. So I always like to say like, if there's anything you need, mention that and somebody might have a lead for you. Yeah, I would say like more potential locations to put soil sauce, whether that's in retail stores, backyard gardens, plant nurseries, if that someone has like a farming connection that they want to connect with. And then on the food waste side, 
any potential businesses, whether they're small businesses, like big corporations, um, that might be interested in partnering on the waste reduction side. So I think like we're in the area, reach out to us, talk to us, um, yeah. and always happy to connect on that front. I'll definitely put links to all of your, awesome. whatever you want me to. <laughs> Thank you so much for meeting with me and for hanging out. And I'm glad to get to know you a little bit more. Me as well. Yeah. We'll see you later. Thanks everyone. Bye. Hosted by me, Shelly Danko Day. Copy editing by Carolyn Ristow. Details reviewed. Original theme song was written and performed by Paul Labrise and Friends. You can listen to With Bowl and Spoon anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us and send us questions or messages on Facebook and Instagram or on our website, withbowlandspoon.com. Thanks for listening. Bowl.